Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. My name is Richard Sverson and I'm joined today by my colleagues Ola Vilnes, who is Chief Editor for the Nordic Region, as well as Morten Hegner, Sales and Events Director here at Montel. A warm welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. We're in August. It's holiday time over most of Europe, but here in the Nordic region, the market is slowly waking up after the summer recess, which normally happens here in July. As always at this time of year, Nordic market participants are paying close attention to the hydrological balance and the weather forecasts for the coming weeks, months. Olaf, how have these changed since earlier in the summer? Yes, I would maybe like to start by turning the clock back 12 months to August last year when we had the perhaps driest and warmest summer in living memory for many people. And, mm. uh, and of course, that created a large deficit in the hydrological balance. It was like uh, uh, 20 terawatt hour below normal, which is quite a lot. Mm. If you combine that with the carbon price impact that we had last year, the trebling of carbon prices, then mm. that gave together a very sharp rise in prices. Mm. We got average monthly spot prices of around Euro 50 in the summer, mm. which is the first time in since 2011 we saw such levels uh, at mm. a monthly average. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And uh, what are they like at the moment? What are the forecasts saying? What, it's been a bit wetter, hasn't it, yeah. than our summer? Uh, it, it has, and, and you could say this hydrological balance, it stayed, it stayed low well into 2019. Mm-hmm. Prices stood at about Euro 40s uh, until late May. Then we had a very rainy start to the summer. June was very wet, mm-hmm. and we got prices uh, crashing down to Euro 27 in June, mm-hmm. spot prices on average. Mm. Because of the wet weather, the hydrological balance was restored. And then come July, and it turned dry again. Mm-hmm. And now, at the end of July, early August, spot prices are up at uh, around Euro 40. So it's been a kind of topsy-turvy ride a bit. Uh, Morten, have you got anything to add to this? Not in particular, but uh, it seems now it's uh, mostly relying on the weather. And rain and uh, precipitation will uh, have a major impact on the price development now in August, of course. Of course, as normally is the case here. But what, what are you hearing from the market? What are, what are the experts, what are the analysts talking about? Are they sort of mainly bearish going forward or have they have forecasts changed a bit or analysis changed uh, yeah. when i returned from my summer holiday in june in june in late july it was quite bullish in the market and yeah, as, as i told you it had been a dry july the hydrological balance had worsened to around minus 10 from uh, compared to normal uh, but since then it has once again turned wet mm. and now they, they show it will be very wet for mm. the next couple of weeks at least and the balance is improving towards like minus five maybe in late august mm-hmm. uh, Maybe it can even improve or go back to normal at the end of the month. And you've seen uh, the Q419 contract falling mm. 15% since this late July peak. It's okay. now trading at uh, 37.85 euros this morning. Mm-hmm. It was at 44.85 in uh, 24th of July. Okay, so that's just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. So that's clearly a weather impact there on the Mm. the price fall. Mm -hmm. You have also seen a a fall in German prices over that time. So I think there's also a continental influence. Absolutely. So it's time to to get the uh, umbrellas and the rain gear out for the the second part of August. Um, Are you hearing anything here, Morten? I know you've only just come back from your holidays yourself, but... Uh... I haven't actually heard anything from the participants in, the, in details, but I think uh, most 
uh, as there have been quite uh, significant price movements uh, during this summer as mm. well, mm. and now prices are going downwards again, uh, people also might uh, look at uh, the technical uh, indicators. Okay. And if we are coming down now to the degree that we had uh, earlier on, mm. uh, a movement uh, rising now coming down from the top mm -hmm. and uh, towards uh, around the 40 level on, mm. uh, on the Q1 contract, mm -hmm. uh, then you might see a reaction again. Okay. That it's uh, some support there. Yeah, sure. I mean, Q1 has come off quite a bit as well, um, hasn't it, since since the same kind of late July peak that Olaf was talking about here, Morten. So it's come off from around what? Yeah, it's come off from around 47 okay. uh, and uh, down to 41 now, uh, just in a matter of days. Okay, yeah. so purely on the basis of these, these, uh, these wetter forecasts then, mm -hmm. yeah, chiefly. I, I think it's also important to remind us that uh, we only have to go back two years and then we had prices at around 30 euros in Q4 spot prices. Okay, yeah. So I think there is a level rise there as well caused by the carbon price increase we saw last year. Yeah, yeah. Carbon, of course, is a very important price driver. Mm. Uh, normally, when you have a euro rise, one euro rise in the carbon price, the power price can rise by around uh, euro 0.7. So, so that has definitely an impact. And of course, when you, in July, you saw carbon prices reaching up, up towards 30 euros. Yeah, yeah Clearly, of course. Yeah. Together with the weather, it has a, I think that those two are the main price drivers uh, at the moment. The, the Ford prices are very much below Germany. I mean, Germany, you know, they're around 50, hovering around there. They've sort of touched above and, and fallen below. You know, and, and the Nordic Spot has been, been lower than its German equivalent. I mean, what are the reasons here, Olaf? Everyone you talk to in the market, they, they think that it's the spread, if you look at the curve, mm -hmm. it's, it's too wide. I mean, there's, there's almost a 15 euro spread between the Nordic and German Frontier contract. Yeah which compares to, uh, I guess, the spot price so far this year, which is a three or four euros difference. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and there's not a big uh, hydrological situation that sort of suggests such a big difference. So it could come down to market structure. Mm -hmm. I think many people think that in the Nordic market, there is like a um, structural thing with a lot of uh, sellers, long-term sellers in the market, an mm -hmm. over-representation of them. It has to do with the renewables expansion. Okay. A lot of wind farms coming online. They have they're forced to secure their sales many years in advance. This is PPA through the, the 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 PPAs here, exactly as you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So. A, long, a large rise in PPA deals, and I think that rise you could maybe say that the PPA market have contributed to lower the uh, long end of the Nordic power curve. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. So it has you know all these deals that have been signed over the previous years are having an impact on 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 prices already now. So that that's quite an interesting development. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts here, uh, Morten? Last year we had this uh, major spread in, uh, between uh, German and uh, Nordic power prices uh, in late uh, August. And uh, that turned out to, <laughs> to be reduced during the autumn. Yeah. Uh, and it had severe consequences for one chap in particular, maybe. Yes, yes, yes and uh, <laughs> quite many nice consequences for other players who managed to stay in that position. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it could be that uh, we will see this again. If there will no, be no drama in uh, the continental markets... Uh, like we had last uh, fall yeah and uh, this fall if uh, prices are moving quite normal yeah then we can see nordic power prices coming uh, higher and reaching a lower spread between german and nordic power prices and then could be absolutely that uh, people are taking the same position as uh, some did uh, last year okay yeah so it's more likely that nordic prices will rise rather than german falling you think 
I think most uh, it's a million dollar question. I mean, that's what will you earn money on if you know if you know the answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. And we're just we're just um, journalists uh, and uh, and uh, market observers, really. So yeah, we're not putting any money on this. But uh, yeah, for those out the there that are, the market is probably closer to the short term marginal cost of fuels. I mean, the gas mm. and coal. So it depends also on what you believe about the coal and gas markets going forward. I mean, if, yeah. if if there is a let's say the coal or the gas market turns very weak in the winter, then maybe the Nordic market is more correctly priced now. But I think. There's a general feeling in the market that it is a Nordic market that is too that is more wrong than a German market. Okay, yeah. While the, and the answer is probably somewhere in between. But it's interesting about the structure of the Nordic market because that's also been a debate around the liquidity here, isn't it? I mean, uh, all of that. You know, we've seen you know Nordic forward market liquidity falling quite quite drastically from f- over the last pretty much every year over the last 12 years. I mean, what are experts saying here about but the reasons for this? Is that partly the structure of the market, that there are too many sellers, not enough buyers, or is it that too simplistic? Could be an answer. I mean, you had a lot of funds in the Nordic market in the early 2000s. First, you had American companies coming in, then you had a lot of independent traders. Mm. Much more activity, much more trading activity. Many have blamed the regulation from EU level. That mm-hmm. is the main reason, they say, for, for lower liquidity, that it is more difficult now to trade, particularly if you're a small company, a lot of mm. compliance, a lot of reporting to do, mm. uh, makes it more expensive. The price structure can have an impact, but as we've already seen, there is a lot of price volatility. So I think that argument is probably a bit weak, because mm. if you look at the history, I mean, there is quite huge swings from even with, between months and weeks and years. There is probably a structural thing, and then you also have some people talking about the fundamental system. I mean, how the market is structured around the system price and the area prices, and then that is a problem for the, for the liquidity as well when it comes to financial power trading. Absolutely. So there are a number of issues. You know, Montel has its annual event on the, on, in the Nordic market on the 20, 22nd of August, uh, Morton. It's, it's, you know, it's the must-attend conference for Nordic energy market participants and also uh, those who want to understand more about what's, what's driving the Nordic market. And, and one of the main topics is this liquidity issue. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you're going to address this at the conference, Morton? And uh, that is true. We will have a very interesting conference in two weeks, uh, which one of them. All the topics will consist of uh, the uh, challenges within financial trading. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, there will be uh, good discussions between uh, players, experienced ones, and uh, the exchanges, and how this market will be moving forward. Mm. So uh, we are really looking forward to to that. And the PPAs will be, of course, uh, one topic. Mm. Uh, We have seen that, uh, or some mean that uh, PPAs is taking away liquidity from the market, Mm -hmm. while the originators say that it's Mm. actually creating liquidity (laughs) on the financial markets. But they would, because they're the ones driving the the, the deals, aren't they? So they they would see the, the positive sides of it, in a sense. Morten, you you travel all around Norway visiting, you know, Montel customers and and energy market players in the region. I mean, what what are their main concerns here? It's quite split uh, Mm. because uh, we meet optimists and uh, people who are more of uh, realists and maybe pessimists uh, Mm -hmm. with respect to the development of the financial market. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we talk to, to different players, they say quite the opposite, quite many of them. Mm. And we see that uh, some are looking forward to to a more financial market uh, and maybe hedging towards the German market. Mm. Uh, That is uh, something which also people are looking into. Mm -hmm. I also see that uh, the number of participants at NASDAQ has not actually been reduced uh, okay. during the last uh, year mm. uh, after the default as well. Mm. It has actually gained uh, 
three more members. Mm. Uh, ten, more, ten went out and uh, 13 has arrived. Mm. So that's quite interesting. So a net increase, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and what kinds of players are they, uh, Johnny? Uh, they are people from Denmark uh, okay. coming into the market. Uh, we have some uh, hedge funds uh, coming along as well. Mm. And uh, there are amongst them, of course, an optimism uh, in order to, to, to do more trading on, on the Nordic market. Because, all of, I mean, liquidity may be falling, but it's still quite strong. I mean, it's not isn't it, as if it's sort of gone off a cliff. You know, it's still, you know, it's a very vibrant and, and active market still, uh, even though we may be focusing a little bit too much on, on the drops in liquidity. Yes, so it's, it's typical. It's been a bit, I mean, you had a very high liquidity. In the, uh, Nordic was the, pri- the first mover in a way. It was larger than the German market back in mm. the early 2000s. Mm. Now, I think the, the gravity of the trade has moved to the German market. That's the hub for Europe. That's where they trade. Mm. So you could some some people say that Nordic region would just be an appendix to Germany. Like mm. for example, France. They said like the Eastern Europe mm. markets. Mm. And then you could say, okay, will the Nordic just have to be content with that? Be a mm. smaller fringe market for special interested people, people with assets there, or while well, the trading goes to the wider German market? Or should the Nordic region come back? I think that's that's, a, that's an interesting discussion. Mm. We also had a proposal from Fortune, which was quite interesting at a similar debate in June back mm. in Helsinki. Where, uh, where they said that uh, they should end the reference price. Now we have this common Nordic system price. Mm. He said, use the Sweden area price instead, the mm. Stockholm area price. That would give a better hedge for most people in the market. Mm. Mm. Uh, What's the reason for that? I mean, why, why is that a better reference price? I think it was, it was better for Swedish and Finnish players. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, The right, Norwegian yeah. reactions were quite negative to that. Mm. So, yeah, so that's yeah. a typical... Dis- so it's an internal Nordic yeah. kind of debate or yeah, yeah, yeah. discussion, really. And whether yeah, it would yeah. do anything for liquidity is hard to say. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. probably other factors that are more, even more important. But uh, at least it's interesting. I mean, the, the physical things as well. I mean, how do you organize the market physically mm. to also improve its financial trading conditions? Yeah. Uh, it's also an interesting question, I guess, that will be touched upon on the, on the Nordic Energy Days as well. Which, which brings me to my next question, Morten. Which, what are the, I mean, uh, liquidity is one of the, the topics, but what are the other issues we'll be, we'll be discussing there? Oh, we will cover uh, quite many interesting topics uh, the whole day. And mm. uh, we will look at the EU Clean Energy Package, uh, how it could affect uh, the future production mix and uh, market design in the Nordics. Uh, mm-hmm. Very interesting um, session before lunch. Mm. Uh, we will look at the renewable energy expansion uh, and how that affects the uh, challenges for the TSOs. Okay. Because yeah. uh, all these wind power and solar will affect uh, the structure of the uh, the grid. Absolutely. And that is important for all the players to know more about. That's something that, you know, Perhaps the companies that have been involved with this expansion in the continent. Uh, mm. I know there's a Danish TSO speaking, so they would maybe you know have a lot of experience with this this kind of um, you know expansion of renewables flowing into the grid. That that sort of brings me on to my next question, really, Olaf. You know, one of the main surprises this year for me, at least, being being an outsider in this country, is this vehement opposition to wind in in some quarters. Because you'd think, yeah, it's it's you'd think it's green energy. It's kind of it's in sparsely populated you know areas what what's the big deal yeah what's the big deal i think norwegians in general are quite positive to wind power as long as they it's not in their backyard of course it's, yeah, it's the yeah. classical nimby problem and um, mm. and what you see in is that there has been a lot of protests recently mm. Uh, much due to this is the first real wave of wind power developments in Norway. I mean, okay. if you look at the hydropower developments, you had a lot of protests in the 1970s, 1980s. Now you have the wind coming up, and now mm. people say, okay, these windmills will come on my mountain, mm. my, my forest. Mm. Why, why do we need it? Mm. And they look at the, hydro, the power balance in Norway, which shows that there is a surplus. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost all renewables. Mm. 
And then I think, why should we destroy our nature for exporting the power to continental Europe? Mm. Which will then only drive up domestic prices, yeah, potentially. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's yeah. one argument against it. Yeah. And then, of course, you have all the other people who think, okay, it's good to export power to, to continental Europe because mm. it will bring down climate emissions uh, or CO2 emissions across the world. Better to export uh, yeah. to, to electrons rather than hydrocarbons, potentially, for, for some. I think the opposition is most down to the nature. I mean, people don't want it near their house, homes, near their uh, cabins. Yeah. Uh, it's not so much against wind power in general. It's more, it's more a visual issue. And there's maybe the wildlife protection as well. Maybe they yeah. feel that it's uh, it's it's harmful for 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 for, for, for birds uh, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Is this an issue in in the area where you live, Morten? Not uh, in particular. NVE, the Nordic Energy Authority, they have uh, made a, a huge map uh, over Norway uh, mm. where they have pointed out some areas for potential wind power onshore in Norway, mm. and uh, there have been uh, a lot of discussions after that and. Uh, Quite many are negative, of course, but mm. uh, also many local communities are positive because uh, it means a lot of uh, tax income of course, uh, yeah. for these local communities of in, having wind power in their uh, backyard. Yeah, absolutely. As long Increased. as they don't see it, then it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's hidden behind a mountain or something. Yeah, absolutely. But it, yeah, that, that, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, it's increased revenues, which they can then fund social services, etc. Yeah, I mean, that, but has, has the debate got even more kind of extreme or has it got more polarized or is it you know how is how is it developing Olaf? social media is playing a part here of course i mean you you have a facebook group called uh, is stop wind power plants which is trying to uh, recruit me every day i get it <laughs> and, and, and of course so far unsuccessfully yeah, yeah. <laughs> and true and untrue stories are spread very fast and for example, they they don't like the that the fact that there's a German company building a wind farm in central Norway is very mm. is not good for them. I mean, some people make all kind of comparisons with history to sort of mm. uh, be against that wind farm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why should we help them? I mean, is is that kind of attitude? So I, I don't know. It, it gets sometimes it get a bit polarized polarized if you read the social media. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if that really reflects the public opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's always I the think, case. I think they should uh, read Montel instead. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's far more balanced and neutral. Absolutely. More objective. The objective view. Olaf, I mean, other other um, topics or issues that uh, the Nordic market will be looking at uh, in the coming months. I mean, on the on the maybe on the policy side, we've seen new governments in Denmark and Finland. I mean, uh, will this um, affect, or is this something? What are the main key points that that, that people will be looking at? Probably much of the same. I guess the the new Danish government that came over, came this summer. Is, is even more ambitious than wind power. So Denmark mm-hmm. will even face an even higher challenge of penetrating or uh, adapting wind to its system. Probably needs, they need then even more interconnectors to neighboring countries to mm. work smoothly. I mean, Finland will, of course, speed up their uh, decarbonizing, mm-hmm. get rid of the coal plants uh, uh, by the 2030. And, uh, so, so, so there is this uh, same development. You go towards more renewables, more volatile renewables in the system. Mm-hmm which again creates uh, more grid mm. and a more flexible demand side. Yeah. I think so in that way, it's, it's nothing particularly new this year. It's been the same overall trend going on for many years now. Mm-hmm. But you see it clearer now since you are approaching 2020s, where much more has to be done yeah. to yeah. meet stricter climate targets in, by 2030. Absolutely. Anything to add here? I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you think are the key issues? Of course, they're all being addressed at the Nordic Energy Day, Morton. But uh, apart from that, I suppose you know the, the key issues will be what ha- what happens to the carbon price. And Absolutely. If, yeah. And uh, Brexit, in that sense, uh, no deal Brexit uh, is most probable, I guess. Uh, yeah. And uh, how that will impact the carbon market on the short term. Uh, 
will of course impact the power prices also uh, on short term. That will be very interesting as well. And uh, keep us all nervous for the coming <laughs> weeks. <Exactly. laughs> yeah. Or, you know, or busy uh, yeah, in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Beyond that, uh, I think the development of uh, PPAs uh, will play a major role in the uh, power yeah. price development uh, time ahead. Yeah, and the uh, all change in in uh, wind power production uh, impact of that will absolutely matter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think um, that's about all from us today. So thank you very much to Olaf and Morten. It's been a pleasure having you here and having this discussion. I think the one key takeaway there for me is please make sure you attend the Nordic Energy Day if you can. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, but remember to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And you can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. We'll be back next week. Thank you, listeners. Goodbye. Goodbye.